Malombula, you're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. Ngo o Koroi Hawkins. Coming up first... The French Polynesian opposition, the pro-independence movement, will be led by Oscar Temaru. French Polynesian delegates attending the UN Decolonization Committee meeting in New York also... Test the mosquitoes in each of the different countries to see if they're resistant to insecticides. Pacific health experts are warning countries in the region to prepare for a possible surge in vector-borne diseases. And later on... It's Fijian Language Week here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and I'm speaking to Fijian author Paulini Turangambevi about her children's book series. Delegates from French Polynesia have flown to New York to attend the annual meeting of the UN Decolonization Committee. The meeting got underway over the weekend and will run up until the 14th of October. The French territory's case has been in limbo since it was reinscribed onto the decolonization list by the UN General Assembly in 2013. French Polynesia's opposition pro-independence leaders are still waiting for France to acknowledge the UN decision to relist the territory, while the government in Tahiti claims that French Polynesia is not a colony. To discuss this, I'm joined by my colleague Walter Zweifel. Yorana Walter, let's start with who's attending from Papiete. Well, the French Polynesian opposition, the pro-independence movement, will be led by Oscar Temaru. Uh, he's the long-time leader and the initiator of this drive to have French Polynesia on the decolonization list. This is linked to his efforts to try to halt the nuclear testing back in the 1970s. As we know, nuclear testing stopped in 1996 and uh, the French Polynesia was then reinscribed on the UN list of territories to be decolonized in 2013. Also going to New York will be someone from the French Polynesian government. Uh, in the context of a firefighter strike, the vice president who was earmarked to go to New York uh, has been replaced by another minister, René Temaharo. Uh, Mr. Temaharo has said that, that the French ambassador will be in New York. Uh, however, it's not quite sure if the ambassador will involve himself in the discussions when French Polynesia is on the committee's agenda. What is France's position on uh, French Polynesia's listing? In simple terms, France has not accepted this uh, decision of 2013 by the UN General Assembly. Uh, at the time, it described uh, the vote or the, the acclamation by the United Nations as a glaring interference. Since then, France has boycotted or abstained from being present whenever the French Polynesia question was up in the committee discussions. Um, the observation has been in general that the moment French Polynesia takes the stage, the French ambassador will walk out, uh, you know, joking, it's being said he's going for a smoke. Uh, so France has stayed away from any of these talks. It has not acted on any encouragement to initiate this decolonization process as envisaged by the United Nations. Uh, interestingly enough, it was the Solomon Islands Prime Minister Manasi Songavare in 2015, speaking at the UN General Assembly, that he said that it was about time for France to implement what the General Assembly had decided two years earlier. The French Polynesian government hasn't always attended, um, but has been going more regularly in recent years. Tell us a bit more about that. Yes, well, initially the French Polynesian government did you know, follow the French line in the sense that it did just ignore this UN decision. 
however, in recent years, uh, the French Polynesian government has been attending. And uh, when it attended a couple of years ago, it put to the United Nations that uh, French Polynesia could not be considered to be a colonized place. Uh, the uh, argument is that there is a democratically elected government here. Another argument is that French Polynesia is now a full member of the Pacific Islands Forum. The suggestion there is that because it is a forum member, it should be considered as an independent country, which of course is not true. But uh, the French Polynesian government has moved on to ask for the removal of French Polynesia from this UN decolonization list. And however, it has also invited the United Nations to send a delegation uh, to French Polynesia to ascertain the situation. Uh, of course, the invitation has to come from France as the administrative power. But France's position is that it is not recognizing or accepting this United Nations decision uh, and looking at contemporary politics, of course, it does not fit into the general agenda of France trying to consolidate uh, its position uh, in the Pacific, be it in New Caledonia or French Polynesia. I'm glad you mentioned New Caledonia there because it's kind of different, but the same, isn't it? On, on the general premise of kind of France being reluctant to let go. Both are territories colonized by France in the 19th century. Both are territories uh, that uh, aspired or where the indigenous people aspired to become independent in the 1970s and so on. The troubles in the 1980s in New Caledonia appear to have coerced France to accept uh, that there should be a, a United Nations involvement and the, the relisting of New Caledonia went ahead in 1986. Uh, France has diligently followed the process under the UN. Uh, there's a monitoring by the UN of this decolonization process, which we have seen evolve with the Numea Accord and the independence referendums over the last three or four years. And finally, going back to the, the meeting in New York, or is it likely to be more of the same or are we ex expecting anything new this year in terms of the various um, contributions to the meeting from French Polynesia's opposition, but also the French Polynesian government? There is no indication that there is going to be any breakthrough this year. It seems to be uh, an annual event where the pro-independent side presents its grievances. And most often these grievances are related to the nuclear testing issue. Uh, there is also the question of who is in control of natural resources. Now, when it comes to the nuclear testing, there is, of course, the demand for compensation. The nuclear testing uh, issue is so contentious that, uh, for example, Oscar Temaru a few years ago decided to raise the matter by uh, saying that it was a crime against humanity to have carried out the tests. He's taken all the French presidents uh, to the International Criminal Court, uh, a move that, that shocked uh, the French leadership and many say were probably behind uh, Oscar Temaru's demise because he's no longer a politician in the assembly. Uh, it's, a, as I said, a very contentious issue. The other point is the natural resources issue and uh, um, for the pro-independent side, uh, it's uh, the understanding is that natural resources, we're talking here about uh, seabed, minerals, uh, fishing and so on, should be resources belonging to the indigenous people, French Polynesia. Um, there's some sort of precedent in the sense that uh, Nauru, which was administered by Australia, 
was found to be entitled to the phosphate resources and the ruling of the International Court of Justice. So there is a, a geopolitical environmental uh, component plus this nuclear issue, which the pro-independent side wants to have elucidated by the United Nations. Pacific health experts are warning countries in the region to prepare for a surge in vector-borne diseases like malaria and dengue fever with the resumption of international travel across the Pacific. Mosquito-borne disease officers from around the Pacific were flown to Brisbane, Australia last week to attend a workshop hosted by the QIMR Berghofer's Medical Research Institute with participants from Fiji, Samoa, Palau and Tonga joining the first of two workshops. Workshop coordinator Dr Tanya Russell told RNZ Pacific reporter Jan Kohot that a surge in inter-island transmission can be started by a single infected person visiting and spreading the disease to the local mosquito population. Dr Russell spoke about some of the work underway to try and prevent this from happening. We have a project called PACMOSI and we're working together with QIMR as well as the World Health Organization and uh, SPC, the Pacific Community and other institutions and we work um, together as a community across um, the Pacific Island countries and the the project is really aimed at um, supporting improved capacity for vector surveillance and control across Pacific Island countries. So this is one part of our work and it is to um, bring together um, different Uh, mosquito control officers from the Ministry of Health in the countries across the region and to bring them all together so that we can talk about the problems of insecticide resistance and do training to enable the officers to go back and test the mosquitoes in each of the different countries to see if they're resistant to insecticides. Resistance can be a real problem because um, to control dengue and malaria, uh, one of the most effective tools is to use insecticides to um, kill the mosquitoes and we, we really need to um, improve the way that this is done because it's, it's honestly it's the most cost-effective tool that we have at the moment. So dengue um, has a lot of sporadic outbreaks across the region so um, across the Pacific Island countries all can have dengue outbreaks at different times and some countries have ongoing transmission so it's quite an issue and in Solomon Islands, Vanuatu and Papua New Guinea have ongoing transmission of malaria as well. The, one of the best tools that we have is to really control those mosquito populations and we need to understand the mosquitoes, understand their behaviours and when and where people are getting um, exposed to mosquitoes and how the diseases are being transmitted. And when there are outbreaks of dengue and malaria as well, it can be really overwhelming to the very fragile health systems that are in the small Pacific Island countries. And um, so I I read in the press release that um, this issue was heightened or it came back uh, due to more travel um, so the travel restrictions obviously coming down after the pandemic. How is that um, affecting or heightening the issue? Uh, so uh, one thing that we've really seen across the last couple of years with the closed borders is that COVID transmission between countries was minimised, but we also saw, um, particularly with dengue, that the number of dengue cases coming into countries was minimised So because of the travel restrictions. And that's in, in the island communities, that's one of the really big things, the way 
that leads to dengue being so sporadic that you have um, can have no cases in a small island, but then an infected person can come in and then they can it can take off and become quite a big outbreak. So with the borders opening up, this is going to be a really big risk moving forward because there hasn't been um, any dengue transmission in a lot of areas and small islands for quite a while. And this risk is really going to heighten as the travel is increasing. Um, and, and there's a lot of other um, environmental factors that all come into play as well. So changes in land use and urbanisation and climate change as well can all lead to increasing the way that it's very difficult to predict when and where um, outbreaks will happen and, and we really will see um, increases in the severity and frequency of dengue outbreaks. So this is something we want to prepare for. Nisambolavinaka, it's Fijian Language Week here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and I'm speaking to Fijian author Paulini Turangambevi, who's launching the Fijian version of her first children's book series. Released in English in June as the Living in Fiji children's book series, it's been translated to Nambula Viti, which gives readers a glimpse of life in Fiji through the eyes of a child. It will be available free to download from 12am on Thursday, October the 6th, up until 12am on Saturday. October the 8th on Amazon's Kindle Direct Publishing. Nisambulavinaka Paulini and welcome on Pacific Waves. It is Fijian Language Week and I cannot think of a better way to start this interview than to ask you to please introduce yourself in Fijian. Nisambulavinaka na maramakene turanga wakatanga kina kemina ngwane na elango wa Paulini turangambevi au eleo nitobu kutai mailao au wasunga e singataka nandronga kawatitungango isubavinaka. Naka. Now, tell us about this book. Thank you, uh, Kodoi. So, the um, Living in Fiji book series was uh, something that was sponsored by the Ministry of Education and Heritage and Arts. So, I received a culture grant from them from 2019. So, I started with a project uh, documenting everyday lives of children in Fiji. Unfortunately, COVID came up, so that uh, took a sideline for a moment. But I picked it up and I launched the English version in June of this year. And so in, I decided to launch the Fijian Itauke version of Wasabakabuti in October um, to coincide with Fiji Language Week. And uh, it's free for download from Thursday, the 6th of October, until Saturday, the 8th of October. And uh, I feel it's a gift from me to children, especially in the Fijian diaspora abroad, to connect with their mother tongue and practice it and uh, just have a good reading experience at home with their friends or with their families or even at school. Vinaka, and the perspective I, I thought was very interesting, if you can tell us a bit more about that. Well, yeah, um, it's not the usual children's book where you where there's drawings. I decided to use um photography and I also decided to write it in first person so I get permission from parents to photograph their children and we'd go about the day and I'd ask the children how they're feeling and so I try to write that into story form and so when when you're reading it it's like a child speaking to you directly um, from their experience and um, Fiji has an oral history so I think this is a great way to start documenting our recent history by just 
just uh, documenting children's uh, daily lives. And who knows, maybe 20, 30 years from now, things would have changed, but we can look back and reflect uh, for the, way thing, the way life was. For, yeah. for children. Yeah, and it's, so it's when a child is reading it, it's basically a child having a conversation with another child, isn't it? Exactly, absolutely. And I think um, what was important for me was to showcase children's lives, their daily lives, their realities, because Fiji is definitely more than just sun, surf, and sand. And a lot of kids, um, uh, I can't speak for all of them, but they might come come back home and go to hotels. Uh, but I reckon they prefer going to their villages. They prefer living the ordinary um, child's life in Fiji. And so I think for those who haven't experienced that, um, this book is something that can give them that first-hand experience. And I hope it also um, moves them to maybe come home to Fiji and experience other things outside of uh resorts and hotels. It, it is Fijian Language Week, so I would love to you to say that message as well to, to parents and kids uh, in the Fijian diaspora who will be using this book. If you'd like to say something in um, Fijian to them about this book, thank you. Naka, and if you can just summarize that for our English listeners, thank you. Yeah, so I was just uh, thanking all the Fijian speakers, uh, Fijian community and the diaspora for tuning in today and just encouraging them that it's important to um, retain our culture and our language and be the custodian of that and to pass that on to our children uh, not only now, but to continue it even after Fiji, Fijian Language Week. And once again, the book Nambulai Viti is available for free download from Thursday, the 6th of October to Saturday, the 8th of October. And I really want to encourage you to get reading with your children and just uh, have that one-on-one time and have discussions around Fiji and uh, practice and it's something that you can always come back to to refresh your Fijian language whenever you need it. Thank you. This year's theme for Madawa Nivosa Vakaviti Fijian Language Week is Mevaka Mbulambulataki Vaka Marengeti Ka Vaka Ganga Dotaki Nabosa Vakaviti which means nurture, preserve, and sustain the Fijian language. You can find out more about Fijian Language Week activities and events across Aotearoa New Zealand on the Ministry for Pacific Peoples website. That's Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us free to your device from Spotify, iHeart, Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Motemanda. Motemanda.